0: hey good morning hillside pastor dave here in case we haven't met i just want you to know how much we love and appreciate everyone who's part of our fellowship and those who are joining in online and our online platforms we welcome you we encourage you and we want you to be a part of even our online family and if when we open our doors hopefully on November 8th, uh, that you might come and join us and uh, be a part of our uh, fellowship in person. And so we're looking forward to those days. Uh, Huge thanks to Pastor Matt and uh, our worship team leading us in worship this morning and prayer. And uh, we're diving into our study again in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 12. So if you want to grab your Bibles and uh, flip open to Acts chapter 12, uh, we'll begin in just a moment. Uh, and while you 're doing that, we are in our current series called god sized operations god sized operations and this is really this is really the third message it 's part two of the third message and that is uh, uh, god sized uh, or extraordinary operations or extra uh, extraordinary ops is what I'm trying to say, uh, extraordinary ops. And so we're looking at verses one through 19 this morning. And uh, But before we get started, I wanted to remind us about a couple of scriptures and a couple of stories in the Old Testament because we really are looking at some supernatural occurrences. And today the main focus is, I, want, I believe that the Spirit of God is revealing something about the condition of the church and then an assignment for the church and I don't want to alarm you but I have 5 things to look at in terms of the condition of the church and I have 12 things that you and I on a supernatural level need to be uh about. So yes, that's like 17 points on this morning's sermon. So, <laughs> buckle your seatbelt and let's get ready to roll. All right, so remember this remember this first john chapter 4 and verse 4 reminds us reminds us that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world so thanks be to god if your faith is in jesus christ today For the forgiveness of your sin, a supernatural transaction has occurred. God's Spirit has taken up residence inside you. The Spirit of God, God the Spirit, God is dwelling in you. You have become a partaker of the divine nature. Come on, that's epic. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The he that is in the world it's the forces of evil satan is at the head some one-third of the angels of heaven revelation tells us went in satan's rebellion and they are fallen angels and they are reaping havoc in the world but be of good cheer Jesus has overcome and he has caused us to be more than overcomers. So thanks be to God for that. And, I, and I'm reminded, I'm reminded of the story of Elisha the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 16. You see there was an Assyrian army that encircled them entirely and Elisha's servant went out and looked and saw the vast army. And he came in and he said to Elisha, he said, what are we to do? Well, hey, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, listen to this. What then shall we say in response to these things? Hey, no matter the army around us, what should we say in response to these things? If God be for us, then who Can be against us. Come on. He's gonna build his church, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Come on, we have the victory in Jesus. And it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I believe that there's some intelligence, military intelligence in our text today, but let me take you a little further in 2 Kings chapter 6. You see, he said, what are we to do about these things? Oh, my master, what are we to do? Maybe you felt that way before. You've looked at your circumstances, and you've cried out to God, oh, master, oh, Jesus, what am I to do? Well, the response, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I cannot emphasize that as children of God, just like part one of the message, last week we talked about earnest prayer, the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We must be in earnest prayer. And secondly, like Peter, on the night before he knew certain death, he was asleep, shalom in perfect peace. We must let the peace of God rule and reign in our hearts. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That's what the, that's what the prophet said. And then he said these words, For those who are with us are more than those who are against us and you you know the rest of the story he prayed that the eyes of the servant would be open and as his eyes were open he saw all around on the hill angels on chariots of fire come on this is epic 2 Kings chapter 9, or 2 Kings, that was 2 Chronicles chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 19 tells us in detail what transpired and there was earnest prayer that night and Hezekiah the king. No, that's a different story. Uh, There was earnest prayer that uh, eyes would be opened and his eyes were opened. And again, there was more with us. And again, let me tell you the next story. The next story is absolutely radical. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 7 and 8. Second Chronicles chapter 32 is the story of Hezekiah and is the story of Sennacherib. Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, he had besieged the city. Jerusalem is besieged, and all kinds of things are happening, and Hezekiah prays, earnestly a humble prayer and he calls for isaiah the son of amaz and isaiah sends word back to him that he is going to fight the battle it's fascinating but listen to what it says in verse seven it says be strong and courageous and again do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of assyria listen i want you to understand something one of the names of satan He's got like 33 different names or idioms in the Old Testament, and one of those is the Assyrian. So in typology, you can know that this is like the children of Israel or the children of God being attacked by the devil, the Assyrian. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Praise God. Why? Because we can be strong and courageous Because it says, uh, he goes on to say, do not be discouraged before the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, right? Third of the angels, vast army with him. For there is one, there is a greater one with us than with him. A greater one with us than with him. For with him is only an arm of the flesh. He's powerless unless we cooperate with him. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Hey, praise be to God. There are multiple upon multiple upon multiple sermons in what I've just shared as a prelude to where we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. And I'd like to pick up in Acts chapter 12. And I want to read... Verses 1 through 19, but I'm probably going to commentate as I go, so we'll see how far we get. Uh, but it says this. Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Now, this, this particular Herod, uh, this was Herod Agrippa I, the grandson of Herod the Great. His father was Aristobulus. He was one of the sons who was murdered by Herod the Great. He is the nephew of Herod Antipas, the one who ordered the death of John the Baptist. And he's the father of Herod Agrippa II, in which Paul, in chapter 26, makes his appeal. And so, he is a descendant of the Maccabees by his mother, educated in Rome, had a good relationship with the Jews, in his attempt to keep the Jews on his side, he makes decisions that violate. And that's part of what the tail end or the third point of last week's message. And I talked about the home plate in baseball being 17 inches. And he was influenced by the people. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. And as a people pleaser, he stretched out Home plate. He widened home plate. He changed. And you and I, this is our rule of faith and conduct. This is our home plate. This is our 17 inches. Well, this Herod, this Herod, it says, he to harass some or certain from the church this was the leaders of the church so here's the thing it's a military intelligence that our adversary the devil roaming around roaring like a lion seeking whom he may devour we can know that he is assaulting the leads of the church certain of the church were the leaders james being one of them then he killed james the brother of john with the sword now this This brother of John delineates who James is. And just by way of reminder, there are at least three James. James, the son of Alphaeus, that's not this one. James, the brother of Jesus, that's not this one. This is James, the brother of John. They're also known as the sons of thunder. You remember in the the Gospels, it was James and John's mother who came to Jesus and said, hey, when you come into your kingdom, can can my boys sit on your right and your left? And Jesus said, can you drink of the cup that I am going to drink? And the boys responded, yes. And he said, you will. Well, this is a fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy in relationship to James. He drank the cup. He was beheaded with a sword. And so Jesus later said, or... In that conversation, he says, It's not for me to determine who is going to sit on either side of me at that time, but this is who we are referring to. And so James was put to death. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And now it was during the days of unleavened bread, so this festival of Passover the Passover, then Festival of Unleavened Bread, of which at the beginning of that will be the Feast of fruits. It's going to have to come to its end before Herod brings death again. But Peter is going to be confiscated and put in and under guard. It says, Peter, so when he had arrested him, verse four, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers it's a quantarian, a quantarian, it's, it's four soldiers, four groups of four, so 16 soldiers, uh, to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God, or earnest prayer was offered to God for himself by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping Bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, five observations. Peter, a representation of the church. I believe unequivocally that these five observations would be observations of Today, the condition of the church of Jesus Christ, which you and I are a part of. So we have to self-examine to see if these are not also descriptive of perhaps where we are in our walk with the Lord and in our part in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the first, it says this. He was put in prison, verse 4. Peter, therefore, kept in prison. Captive. Captive. Captive can be a number of things. It could be held, but it can also be I'm captive or captivated by some other thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. We can evaluate our lives and say, am I seeking first the kingdom of God? Or am I captive in another place? Am I captivated by some, am I allured some other way? Some other thing? Positionally? In another place? Mentally? in another place, at a soul level, emotionally in another place, physically in another place. Folks, kept in prison, are we captive by the one who is in the world? Okay, the second observation, threatened, We are in a threatened state. The evil one has come but to kill, steal, and destroy. That is a death threat on your life and on my life. He has come to destroy everything in your life. And you. And everything you hold near and dear. Listen, when Ben-Hadad in the Old Testament came to Ahab, he said, give me all your wives and your children and your silver and your gold. And Ahab's like, all right. And then he said, oh, the king said, all right, great. Tomorrow we're going to come and we're going to go through your house and everything that is dear to you will be ours. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take and destroy everything that is near and dear to you. That's a threat. It's a threat. And the threat was that Herod was going to bring Peter out and take his life. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to take you out. He wants to take you out. Third condition. Now, I'm going to say what this is, and then I'm going to have to recap from last week. But Peter was asleep. Now, last week, I likened that unto the place of being at peace. Today, I want to use that understanding of just asleep, that the church is in a lulled state. We're asleep. We're, we're, we're unwise. We're uncertain of the times that we are living in. Do we realize that Jesus Christ is coming soon? Jesus is coming soon we must be about our Father's business. And what are we doing? Seems like so often the church is just spinning its wheels. The churches in any given community are not collaborative together with a vision and a mission of how to reach every house, every home, every man, woman, and child with a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh God, help us and wake up the church. We talk about revival. Folks, we need an awakening before we can have a revival we need an awakening i guess they might be one and the same but at the end of the day the church needs to get up get up what about you are you awake are your eyes open is your head up we must have our eyes fixed upon jesus listen i i love you know when you walk in uh, to the sistine chapel in rome you cannot help but do this, and you'll begin to do this. And for as long as you're in that chapel area, your head will be looking up. And I believe that that is the state that the church needs to be in. We must have our eyes up looking to the Lord, looking toward heaven. The Bible says, look up for redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming soon. We must be awake. Okay, number four, bound, bound. It says he was in bondage with shackles, fetters, chains between two common soldiers, two guards, and and that prison, by the way, is a dark place. That prison, by the way, is uh, it's a closed room made of stone, with a door that's solid. He's kept in prison, and he's in bondage. Listen, we may be captivated, and some of the things that are captivating us may, in fact, be a bondage for us. Are you bound? By something? Are you bound maybe by some sin? Are you bound by some fetter that's holding you fast? Look, God wants to cut the cords that hold men fast to sin. Oh, Lord, set us free. Hey, he has. But the church remains with the chains upon them. Bondage. And then the fifth is, I would say, in a state of watched and guarded. And why do I say that? Because the text tells us this. It says, he was kept in prison. Then it says, uh, he was bound with two chains, which I would say the bondages in the lives of the followers of Christ today in the church may be multiple. May be multiple. It may not be just one. It may be many Many forms of bondage. Okay, two chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door. Right? So he's, he's bound by two men who are certainly keeping him. Then he's being watched by others who if something happens here they can step in and ensure that there's no freedom. There is, I I would call it oppression. There is an oppression on the church by the forces of the evil one. We've forgotten that greater is he that is in us. We have forgotten that the battle is the Lord. We have forgotten that we're not to be afraid. We We have forgotten to take courage, be of good cheer. We have forgotten all of those thoughts. Listen, What did Moses tell the children of Israel when they turned around at the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh and all of his army and the chariots coming after him? He said these words, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the Lord's salvation. For which, uh, he says, which he will accomplish for you today. The Egyptians you see today you will never see again. we got to realize he said I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and all of the power of the evil one nothing shall harm you come on these five states of the church today we got to shake that stuff off we got to break that stuff out we got to in the power of his might say no I'm going to live according to the promises that Jesus has apprehended for us. Jesus has apprehended them. In him, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. So what's our response? Now, this is those five. Now, what's our response? Watch. This is, I believe this is powerful. Okay. Listen, I'm going to read the text a little further. And let's pick up what the church's response is. Watch what Peter does. It says this. Herod, verse 6, was about to bring him out. That night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains, between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, now behold is an epic phrase eido in the greek eido in the greek and it, it it's used very very specifically at the end of a narrative and it's introducing something that is like see this boom it's introducing something new dynamic and if i could use this word epic in proportion lo see behold now see now behold look yes all of that stuff terrible terrible situation this narrative of peter he's going to die but behold but god and this is a but God's statement. And what I love about this is it's used in introducing something, and what it's introducing is both unexpected yet certain, and it is impossible yet occurs. Unexpected yet certain, impossible yet occurs. Folks, no matter where you are, no matter, even the, even the state of the church. Listen, I believe the unexpected certainty and the impossible will occur. In your life and in my life, let's apply what Peter does. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. The angel, this, this, this word stood by, it, it, it's, it's, like, um, it's like he was standing there, but now he has presented himself. He's, it's like the veil has been opened up to Now he's visibly seen. He's been there, but now he's visibly seen. He's presented himself. And it says, the angel stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side. First point of the 12, be awakened. If you've been lulled, imprisoned, kept, all those five conditions, be awakened. Feel the striking of the Lord. God God might be slapping you right now. And I mean slapping you in a good way, not across the chops, but he's hitting you in the arm. He's nudging you. He's giving you the shove. He's cattle prodding you, the spiritual oomph of God. It's an unction, and he's waking you up. Be awakened. We must be awakened. And he goes on to say, And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, arise quickly we must be standing get up we're gonna get up get off the ground get off the seat get the lead out get up so be awakened be standing and watch what happens and verse 7 goes on to say his chains fell off his hands be loosed Whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, and we have been set free. We have been loosed. The power of the evil one is not over us. We have diplomatic immunity. We are citizens of heaven. We are Christ's ambassadors representing him. You and I, we have diplomatic (laughs) immunity. From the power of the evil one. All of the power of the evil one. Let's walk in that. Be loose. Those chains are powerless. They cannot hold you down. They cannot hold you back. They cannot hold you in something. You have been set free. You are loosed. Praise be to God. Now, the angel goes on to say, verse 8, The angel said to him, gird yourself. I want to tell you something. We need to be poised. The church of Jesus Christ, the living God, we must be poised and ready. Ready yourself. Get ready. Come on. Something's coming. It's almost as like the story in the Old Testament. He said, when you hear the sound of the angels marching on top of the mulberry trees, (laughs) get ready. Get ready. Man, the church we must be ready for the work of the Lord. Be poised. Listen, I played football a lot of years of my life and I coached football a lot of years of my life. Probably 24 years total included in my play time and my coach time. And I want you to know something. There's something about being poised. And we tell our, we, I would tell the players, the old line, look, you gotta be poised. You gotta be ready. It, 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 the play doesn't start when you get to the line of scrimmage and put your fingers down on the ground and in your, in your stance. The play starts when you're in the huddle. You have a poised position in the huddle. Man, you are ready to go. Hands on your knees, looking at your quarterback, and you are positioned. And man, when he says ready break, you turn and you run to the line of scrimmage like you own that land. They say there's a neutral zone. There's no neutral zone in football. Man, the O-line owns that territory. We own that land. Listen, we have two advantages on the offense, and we're in the offense. Two advantages in offense on the football. We know the cadence. And we know where the ball's going. And gang, we aren't going to give any of those up. We know the cadence. We know the count. When our, when our QB says go, man, we snap the ball and we're already in motion. And I always would coach the center and I said, look, the snapping of the ball has three motions. You're stepping with your foot as you're snapping the ball and you're popping your hand up to catch someone on the shoulder pad as they're starting to make their movement. But you're owning the zone. And that is the deal. Guys, we must be poised. I might get a little excited here. Okay. He says, gird yourself. And then he says, and tie your sandals. We got to cinch it up, man. It's time to cinch it up. In your life, what loose ends do you have? What things are you letting go by? You look down and you see your shoelaces untied and you keep walking. No, it's time not only to tie your shoes, but to cinch them up. I remember when my son's started wearing skateboard shoes when they were young kids, and they wanted to leave the laces all super, super loose. And I can remember as a dad saying, hey, man, cinch those shoelaces up. And they're like, no, Dad, that's, it's cool this way, or whatever they were saying. Or maybe there was just a, that was their form of rebellion. <laughs> dad wanted them to have their shoes tied tight. And they're like, uh, can we wear them loose, Dad? Come on. Anyway, look, folks, church, brothers and sisters, we've got to cinch up, tie up our loose ends, I said recently to, to, to a group, I said, look, when I put my work boots on, literally I tie the shoelaces, but what I do is I, I, I lace them all the way up and then I have, I don't know what you call them, but they crisscross and they have little uh, hooks and you get them around the hook, you get them around the hook. And I do that three times. And then I wrap them around my ankle twice, tie a knot, then I double tie the knot. The reason I do that is if I'm working in mud, if I'm working in concrete, if I'm working in dirt and my shoelace isn't tied up and cinched up and it comes untied, man, I gotta stop the work to tie my shoe. I gotta, and most often it's goopy and group, I gotta take my gloves off, get down there, tie the shoe, and it doesn't work. Look, we gotta be ready, poised, and we've got to cinch everything up, man. We want no loose ends. We don't want anything that's going to hinder me. Right, Just like the author of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight that so easily besets us. If we don't have things cinched up in our life, they're besetting. They'll slow you down. They'll trip you up. And we can't afford to do that. Jesus is coming soon. Get it cinched up. Let's go. Okay, so be awake, be standing, be loosed, be poised, be cinched. Now, then he says this go a little further, in verse 8, he says, and so he did, so Peter did those things, and the angel said to him, put on your garment. Put on your garment. Now, this is an outer garment. Now, he's girded his loins, he cinched up his shoes, and he says, put on your garment. Well, the scripture says to us, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We got to put on The garments that God provides for us. Number one, we got to put off the old, put on the new. We got to put on the clothing of Christ. It's the righteousness of Christ that we wear. We got to put on the garment of praise. We got to put on the armor of God. We got to be armed. So be armed. Number six, be armed, be armored. Helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes, feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. I take up the shield of faith with which I can extinguish all of the fiery darts of the evil one. Wield the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Gang, we must have our armor on. 24-7-365. Be armed. Number seven. He said this. Put on your garment and follow me. Be following. By the way, these are the be attitudes, if you will, of the the combating of the five conditions of the church. These are the things that we're to be, and we are to be following. Be a follower. Follow closely. Be in step and in stride with the Spirit of God. Don't get ahead of God. Don't lag behind. Be in step, in stride. He said, follow me. So, verse 9, he went out and followed him. Hallelujah! He did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard post, which, by the way, when I said that we are being watched, number five, the condition of the church, there are like five levels. He was chained to some guards There were guards at the door. Then there was the first guard, second guard, and an iron gate. That's a lot of kind of protective stuff that the enemy's trying to keep the church bound by. But we do not have to be bound. So Peter is now being let out. It says, uh, verse 10, when they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city. Listen, which opened to them of its own accord, <laughs> an inanimate object, non-replicating element-made gate opened on its own accord. How would it do that? That is an extraordinary operation. God will move on our behalf. He will move mountains. He will open doors that no man can shut. And he will shut doors that no man can open. Come on. This is the living God. And he will fight our battles. He will lead our way. He will open doors. He will set the course. And we will see the victory. Okay. So, that's following close. Then it goes on to say, uh, They came to the iron gate, which leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me. Be delivered. Be delivered. Listen, be earlier I said be loosed now be freed you can be loosed and stay standing in the prison you don't need to stay there get out get out you've been freed you're a free man in Christ you are Christ's freedmen. And let's get out and get out there hallelujah so be freed now I love this Verse 11, it says, and when Peter had come to himself. You guys, we gotta be alert. We gotta be, we, we gotta, we gotta be processing, looking at things. It says, uh, he came to himself and he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel. He's processing, there's an alertness. I'm awake, it's not a vision. This, what is happening is real. And what I'm referring to is real. God will move in your life and in my life as he moved in Peter's, as he moved in Jesus's, as he moved in the story I just spoke about Moses. In the story, I spoke about Hezekiah and Isaiah. As I spoke about Elisha and his servant. God, it's the same God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Come on, this is good stuff. Be alert. And I want to say, be believing. For it says, now I know for certain. So he had come to himself. There's an alertness. Now I know for certain. Let's believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. Not mental assent. We've got to get it down here. The greatest distance on the, in the universe is 18 inches between one's head and one's heart. We've got to move beyond mental ascent to belief and from belief to conviction. I am convinced, I'm certain that the Lord has brought this deliverance. Okay, we're almost to the end. Now let's go a little further in the text. The Lord has delivered me. So, verse 12. So, when he had considered this, again, at alertness, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where, again, many were gathered together praying. Last week's message. And as Peter knocked at the door. Now, I, want you, I just want you to get this contextually. Uh, he's knocking at a door, and he's literally knocking at a door. It's a, it's a walled Uh, compound, if you will, with a house inside, Mary's house, uh, and and there's a gate, and it's a solid gate, and he's knocking on the door. But what I want you to be thinking about is what Jesus said to you and I, and to all of his believers, and all of his disciples. He said, ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Uh, We need to be knocking on heaven's door. Church, we need to be knocking on heaven's door. We need to knock, 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 knock. I love that on the other side of the door, they know who's knocking. Not everybody knew. Not everybody knew, but in our case, when we're knocking, heaven knows who's knocking on the door. You and I, let's knock. And here, watch what happens. It says this when uh, it says, uh, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, verse 13, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, hey, heaven is going to recognize your voice. I love that. Recognize your voice. Because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said, you're beside yourself. Are you crazy? yet she kept insisting that it was so. I love that also. There's just a persistence and insistence, and that's what Peter does. Watch what happens. Verse 16, uh, they said it was his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. Has heaven been quiet? We got to keep knocking, persistent, tenacious, believing. Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. We got to be knocking, and we got to be knocking continually, and we got to be knocking persistently on heaven's door. That's number 11. Number 12. Watch what Peter does doors opened. And when it was opened and they saw him, they were astonished, overjoyed, I'm sure, elated, celebrated. I guess there might be 13 points. We got to celebrate one another. We got to celebrate our brothers and sisters. When a prodigal comes home, we don't have to ask him what he's been up to. Why are you doing all that stuff? We don't have to drill him. We don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. We celebrate him. We embrace him. We run towards him. We throw our arms around him. We put the ring on his fingers. We put the good shoes on his feet, and we kill the fatted calf. And we say, "Praise God, my son, the, our brother that was lost has been found." Come on, that's celebratory, and they 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 were astonished. And it says, "But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared." He declared to them. How the Lord had brought him out of prison. In the church, we need to be declaring to one another the victories of the Lord in our lives. We need to be telling the stories of the Word of God, like I told you the story of Moses, as I told you the story of Hezekiah, as I told you the story of Elisha. We must recount the exploits of the Lord. Right up into this current day, what God is doing right now, His deliverance His power being made manifest in your life and in my life. We must declare. And we must declare the gospel. God's salvation. God saved Peter from certain death. Peter was a dead man, and yet he lives. Listen, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin, and yet you live. Christ has brought life to you. And we must convey the gospel. And with that, if you are watching today and you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we we cry out to you, be born again, receive the grace of God in Jesus. Christ died for you. And he has made possible for you to be rightly related with our Father in heaven, to have your sin debt canceled. The wages of sin is death, a death that we deserve, Christ took. He took death and died in your place and in mine. Receive the Lord. The Bible says if we confess Jesus, we shall be saved. If anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13. The Bible says that confession is made with the mouth. We make Jesus Christ as Lord. We make confession. And belief is in the heart, believing that God the Father has raised him from the dead, that God has raised him from the dead. We shall be saved. Oh, we cry out to you when we I use an old term, we beseech you. Do not harden your heart today. Receive Christ now. Make that declaration. Make the declaration with me. I confess I'm a sinner. Oh God, thank you for your plan of salvation. I receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you raised Christ from the dead. And I thank you for the forgiveness of my sin i thank you god for the canceled debt that i owe i thank you god for the gift of eternal life and i thank you that my name is written in your book listen and we pray that in jesus name and if you prayed that prayer we want to welcome you to the family of god thanks be to god we welcome you if you live in the clackamas area we encourage you to come and be a part of our fellowship if you're living in some other area, let us help you find a church. You can contact us at info at and we will find a church that is a Bible teaching church in the community that you live in and we'll help you get connected. Our desire is that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so all those things being said to the rest of the church, hey, the condition of the church is those fivefold dispositions, and uh, the, from, from being uh, captivated, from being in a uh, threatened, asleep, bound and watched state, we can actually live in those 13 different dispositions. And I want to encourage you as a member of Hillside Christian Fellowship to walk in that newness and walk in the power of the Lord. Thank you